Welcome to the Cardboard Herald Reviews, where we give you audio versions of our game reviews, then go behind the scenes of our creative process. Sagrada Review, The Compulsions of a Holy Roller. Designed by Adrian Adamescu and Daryl Andrews. Artwork by Adrian Adamescu, Daryl Andrews, and Peter Woken. Published by Floodgate Games 2017. One to four players, 30 to 60 minutes. Review by Jack Eddy. Strictly speaking, puzzles are not inherently games, but some games feature puzzles of varying complexity. Then you got Sagrada, which virtually is one cohesive puzzle spread across a psychedelic landscape of candy colors and glorious stained glass illustrations. I'm not very good at Sagrada. In fact, the first time I played at Dice Tower Con 2017, I had to stop the game three separate times to announce that I had committed the cardinal sin of illegal dice placement, eating the lost points and bearing the shame of what should really be a simple rule set. But every loss has endeared it to me more and more, and it has been a mainstay of continued enjoyment since its release. Colors and Numbers, Numbers and Colors Gameplay Prepare to blow your mind and build your tableau. To start the game, players are given a slotted frame with a 4x5 grid. Cards depicting the plans for different stained glass windows that players build are slotted into these frames, with many of the spaces depicting certain numbers representing shades or colors representing colors. I cannot understate how cool it feels to slot the window cards into the heavy-duty and gorgeously ornate frames. Throughout rounds, players snake draft dice that one by one are fitted into these tableaus, with the catch that each dice must be placed orthogonally or diagonally next to another die in the tableau. And if the space has a color or number restriction, you must honor that restriction. Sounds simple enough, right? The snag is that you can never have dice of the same color or number next to one another. Again, this sounds benign, but I too was once a fool who failed to realize my folly. The player boards in Sagrada are like nooses that we tie around our own necks as we become increasingly more restricted, desperate, and futile with each die placed, and I kinda super dig it. Fortunately, Reprieve is given via the tool cards. These offer abilities that can be activated using glass beads allotted at the beginning of the game. The more complex of a window you have, the more beads you are granted. Three tool cards are drawn for each game, but there are a myriad ranging from broadly helpful to extremely niche. I appreciate the system, though several games I've seen a tool card go entirely unused, which feels like an annoying bit of fluff in an otherwise extremely tight game. Scoring Glass Points. Normally, when teaching and reviewing games, I start with the objective, giving players a goal to work toward and the essential context to grasp the remaining rules of the game. But Sagrada is special. Especially during your first few games, your mental energy will primarily be expelled trying to get dice into your tableau, lest you have nasty, empty spaces costing you points at the end of the game. Additionally, Sagrada has no fixed scoring system. Instead, players will have both public and personal parameters drawn during setup. The majority of your points are awarded primarily for those three public goals, ranging from building rows or columns composed of different colors or numbers, or having pairs of certain dice throughout your board. 
These give nice little dynamic parameters to work with, though the scoring conditions are never so varied as to make your objective feel very different from game to game. Your final source of points derives from secret cards distributed at the beginning of the game, each showing a color of dice. Upon completion, you gain points equal to the number of pips shown on those colors, which is often close to half of your points. While I dig the asymmetry, this is probably my least favorite part of the game. Sure, with 90 dice in the bag, chances are that reds are going to roll evenly throughout, but what happens when they don't, or when you can't reasonably place another red? Unlike the rest of the game where you feel like you are making smart choices based on how the dice roll, your secret points are instead at the mercy of those dice. This won't entirely make or break a game, but I wish the secret objectives were a bit more varied and flexible. This goes doubly so with lower player count games where only half or three quarters of the bag are rolled, meaning that your precious red dice could sit unused at the bottom of the bag. Honestly, if playing with two players, I suggest removing an equal distribution of the 30 you don't use so that you have a guaranteed even distribution of what's left in the bag. But here at the Cardboard Herald, we are in the business of reviewing rules as written, hence why I'm belaboring the point. Granted, even at two players, the game is fine without house ruling, but in a game so much about manipulating a tight puzzle, it's best if you can count on certain tools to work with. Solitary Confession, Solo Mode. Everything I just said about the imbalance when it comes to the personal scoring conditions, throw it out the window because in Solo you get two private objective cards and can pick the one that you want to use at the end of the game. Sagrada Solo is an abstract puzzle clocking in about 20 minutes that is delightful, easily repeatable, and addictive. Basically, you play as normal except that there are only two public objectives, four dice are drawn to draft from every round, and you can once per game, per tool card, burn a dice from the pool matching the tool's color to activate its ability. This isn't just about the tool though, because the objective in the solo game is all about scoring more points than the unused dice, excluding those burnt on the tools. It's a gripping race that is emblematic of what I love in a solo game, low hassle, well automated, and both familiar and cleverly distinct compared to its multiplayer experience. If you are at all into crossword puzzles or Sudoku, or want to dip your toes into solo for the first time, consider giving Sagrada's solo mode a shot. Depicting creation and glory, presentation, components, and accessibility. Sagrada is easily one of the most beautiful games that I've ever played. Colorful, eye-catching, and abstract, each array of dice in the tableau looks like a piece of art. Without fail, every new person I've introduced to the game has first and foremost commented on its beauty, both in visual presentation but the heavy-duty tactile pieces and the conceptual design. The flip side of this singularity is that Sagrada is uncompromising in its presentation, which limits the accessibility far more than most modern games. The translucent dice that add so much to the stained glass theme? Completely indistinguishable apart from color, making it hard to imagine colorblind players being able to play. Similarly, the slots for dice are so perfect for holding your wonderful bit of psychedelia together, but heaven forbid you, like me, have to use your fat fingers to slot a single die into a tight space, desperately trying not to bump surrounding dice. 
I could suggest a multitude of options that would possibly improve the accessibility of this game, both for visibility and fine motor skills slash fat finger syndrome, but I feel like in this one instance, those recommendations might be in vain. Sagrada looks and feels so special as is, that it's hard to imagine that any compromises to fix these issues wouldn't somehow disrupt its delicate beauty, though it is a shame that a solution equally as elegant that felt more inclusive wasn't found. Revelation. Final thoughts. Sagrada is my kind of puzzle. Instantly intuitive, infinitely infuriating. It's the kind of game that makes you feel clever and inept all at the same time, and the joy comes from the self-satisfaction of figuring out your own window with a light touch of player interaction through drafting. And the 45 to 60 minute playtime, even shorter for two players, makes it the kind of game where sessions typically end with players clamoring for just one more play. For all my criticisms, Sagrada, more than almost any other game I own, feels singular and complete, which makes those very criticisms easy to forgive. If you dig constructive puzzles or strikingly beautiful games, then I highly recommend this work of art. I wrote this while I was visiting Oregon and Washington with my family, visiting some friends there, including special shout out to Rob of Ginger Cat Productions. I actually stayed at his house for a little while. And yeah, this game was one that I brought down and I kind of had it on the back burner for games that I needed to review sometime because I had some thoughts percolating around in my brain, but I never really got around to it. And I... I I don't know, like this, this sounds so bougie of me to be like, well, I get so many review copies nowadays that I'm so busy, but it's true. Like most of the stuff that I'm reviewing or writing about is regarding some sort of deadline. It's keeping in mind that a game is just about to release, or this is a review copy from a publisher that they sent me, or it's for a Kickstarter that's coming up, or it's even something that wasn't a, a review copy, but there was some sort of associated deadline having to do with a hot new expansion or a re-release or something that was going on in the community that was driving the review. This was purely driven by this was an interesting game that I kept playing with friends while I was visiting the Pacific Northwest. And whether we were playing with casual gamers or with experienced gamers who had played games every day for the past month, or it was with people who had never played games before. Well, I, I guess modern tabletop games. I, it's hard to imagine meeting someone in North America who hasn't played at least some sort of game board video or otherwise, but playing with people who weren't really familiar with things beyond, say, Clue or Life. And I I just kept enjoying the experience that I was having, breaking out this game, thinking about it, contemplating it, and really challenging myself to say, what are the problems with this game that I love, and how can I articulate that in a review? And I think this review came together really easily. It didn't have too much struggle to it. There wasn't too much challenge. I think the only thing that I really had a hard time describing because I wanted to be sensitive about it was the accessibility portion, which if you're like, oh, now he's jumping on the accessibility bandwagon, 
well, yeah, kind of. I mean, I've worked in social services as a professional for what I, I guess, you know, since I was 19 years old. Um, so well over a decade at this point, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But uh, accessibility has always been very important to me um, as far as working with people in my community and uh, making sure that the services that I provide are accessible and I care about products that are made accessible to uh, individuals and yeah largely inspired by meeple like us which is a fantastic review site and accessibility focused review site uh, for uh, doing these amazing accessibility teardowns, it made me realize that there's room for that kind of commentary. And yeah, I could say that I'll just leave it entirely up to them to uh, address these things, and they do a fantastic job at it. But that seems preposterous that I would assume one outlet can can fully represent and comment on accessibility issues when accessibility is really about the ability for a broad range of people to enjoy something. And so why can't a broad range of people comment on something? And for a while now, I've been talking about colorblind issues. I think the first time I mentioned that was uh, Yamatai, where the the components seemed entirely indistinguishable from one another uh, with that, without the ability to tell color um, or differentiate certain colors. And here, uh, the uh, motor functions, the, the fine motor functions of being able to slot dice seemed like something worth talking about. But at the same time, I wanted to address the complexity of the issue in that many of the things that make Sagrada so beautiful for me as a, a person who is completely completely able to work within its structure um, are, are things that uh, are also hard uh, to to make more accessible or at least from the the layman like myself who's not making uh, board games it seems like if you were to make the dice have different symbols or, or different looks to them that may kind of uh, eliminate some of the ubiquity of it, the, the singularity of it, I think is the word that I used. Anyway, I, I think that that came together, but that was an, an aspect of the review that I wanted to be delicate with. And I think I did a pretty good job. Overall, reading this review here, prepping for this, uh, I'm really thrilled with how it came out. Um, I do want to mention that Floodgate Games, since this, has agreed to help me out on a project for the local convention, PlatypusCon, to send some uh, copies to give out to people who um, participate in the learn to play videos that I'm making, which is super cool, but uh, that is all arranged after the date in which I wrote this review. Um, not that it's an entirely glowing review, and I would think that Floodgate is, you know, shifting me something under the table in reward for calling this one of my favorite games because I, I definitely uh, take it to task for some of the things that I. 
I, I think are valid criticisms about this game that I love, which is one of the most fun things that I really, really, really enjoy about writing reviews is, is working around the, the, the varying and sometimes competing thoughts about a game, uh, the the complexity of emotions and reactions of things that you really like and things that bother you, and how does that come to a sum total of one critical opinion? I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling on right now, but that's kind of what I do, and I like that, and so do you if you're listening to this podcast, probably. <laughs> the questions that I got for this review, uh, the biggest question that I got is, Jack, tell me, does this mean that you are in support of Sagrada over Azul? Is Sagrada the best game ever compared to that other seemingly 100% in all board game media competing game? And the truth is, I haven't played Azul. I'm going to admit it here. I have seen a lot about Azul. We featured an Azul review on our website. You can find it. But the truth is, is that I, I've seen enough to feel like they are not one-to-one comparisons, that they can coexist in the same environment uh, just because they have some similar aspects of uh, building up a uh, structure on a tableau for yourself and a central pool drafting system. I, I don't think that they really are as comparable as one may think. I think you could probably own both in your collection and be perfectly fine. But that said, uh, I am 100% a Sagrada diehard. If I played Azul, would that change? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I'd probably like both, but there, there's something about the visual presentation, the colors, the psychedelia that I keep mentioning about Sagrada that really, really speaks to me. And I, I, I just love the game. And I'm so tired of that question of which is going to win because it sounds like children on a playground going, my dad could beat up your bat, dad. You're bad. I don't know. That's some Freudian slip there. <laughs> or um, like my superhero could beat up your superhero. I, I really couldn't care less. The other question that I got about this a lot was solo. Are you going to do more solo reviews? And the answer is, well, I did a solo video that you should check out on the video channel, which again, I've made this plug several times on various sources, but we have a new URL slug for our video channel, youtube.com slash the cardboard herald. And you will get access to all kinds of great stuff on that channel by following that simple link. Come on, that wasn't that hard. But on there, I did a cardboard cutouts episode that is three great solo games or solo Ubble games because they're not entirely solo games. Uh, and Sagrada wasn't one of them, but it is one of my favorites. It just happened to be that there were three diverse games that I think worked really well in that presentation, in that format that is meant to be for people who aren't familiar with solo games. Here's a kind of smorgasbord for you to check out. And I think that if you're at all interested in solo games, if this piqued your interest to have the solo discussion as part of this review, that would be a great next step for you. And as far as will this be addressed in further deliberations on solo, 
I already have notes on three more great soloable games, and this just might be part of it. I don't know. We'll see. It all depends on how I'm feeling and how much work I got on the Cardboard Herald workload that week, day, month, year, hour, second, minute. Time is a relative thing, and it's doubly so when it has to do with the Cardboard Herald. It's crazy in here. Um, but yeah, I love the solo in this. Uh, and I really highly recommend it. I would not recommend buying this game purely for the solo experience because I think that it is somewhat wasted on that experience. It's a bigger experience than uh, and more expensive experience than what you specifically get out of solo, but it's certainly a worthwhile consideration in addition to the multiplayer mode here and it's awesome i i really enjoy it and i've gone out of my way to play it several times including on that vacation because you know even on vacation occasionally you get like 20 minutes to yourself and hey why not relax with some Sagrada? So that's it. That's additional thoughts and review Q&A. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It's not going up as a video. We've done some of these as a video. I don't know. I'd love some feedback. Let us know what you think about that. You can contact us at cardboardherald at gmail.com or send us a comment or link on the website, cardboardherald.com. Um, but yeah, you, you let me know if you like seeing these as videos as well. But the audio is definitely here, and yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. I'm rambling because it's late, I'm tired, I'm a little bit sick, and I gotta get cleaning before my wife gets home because she is coming home from her own vacation today. So yeah, happy holidays. Oh, we have some Christmas videos uh, going up. Um, I, I support all holidays, and I, I hope everyone's having a wonderful holidays no matter what they do or do not celebrate. But personally, I celebrate Christmas, so I have a three great games to bring home to the family on the holidays video, as well as a Christmas ornaments video that are going up on the YouTube channel, and you should check them out. So with that out of the way, I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald. You have happy holidays, an awesome time, and yeah, Sagrada, it's awesome. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Cardboard Herald. As always, everything we do is ad-free and audience-supported. If you'd like to help keep it that way, find the Patreon link at the top of our webpage, CardboardHerald.com. We have several levels of support with various rewards. If you enjoyed the show, we do a whole bunch of other stuff, including reviews, interviews, and recommendations across writing, podcasts, and video. You can find that on our YouTube channel or by visiting any of our social media or our website. So with that out of the way, thank you again for listening to the Cardboard Herald.